Hello and welcome back to Regarding Rocky Top. I'm Max Pennell. I'm Davis Boving. And today we'll be talking about the Vols' disappointing loss in Lexington on Saturday. Yet another ugly offensive showing for them. And kind of just discussing where this team can go from here with only two weeks left in the regular season and things starting to feel dire here on Rocky Top. Me and Davis will discuss what the Vols need to do to move forward. We'll also preview the A&M basketball game tomorrow night a little bit and just quickly touch on the baseball team, which obviously opened their season this past weekend in Phoenix, discuss their results real quickly, and just give you an update on their upcoming schedule as we'll save more baseball talk for later probably in March once the basketball season is wrapped up. So without further ado, Davis, let's get started. Um, Obviously, the big game of note was the Kentucky game. Saturday in Lexington, a 66-54 loss for the Volunteers. They just couldn't get anything going in the first half, down 39-19 at the conclusion of the first half, and, you know, dug themselves too big a hole, really. You know, they they outplayed Kentucky in the second half, were given Kentucky really – couldn't make many free throws and allowed Tennessee to claw back into that game. Also, Santiago Vescovi caught fire. But I think the the biggest takeaway for me was the 28% free throw shooting. I don't know about you, but I couldn't remember the last time Tennessee shot that poorly from the charity stripe. No, they they almost uh, they almost shot worse from from free throw than they did from three point, which is which is kind of just shocking. There's no, there's nothing else to say about it. Yeah, I mean, 28% is pretty abysmal, obviously. And, you know, we were talking about it off air just over the weekend watching the game. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a ranked team, a top 25 team, have three guys consistently in their rotation that shoot 50% or worse. We have it in Meshack, Awaka, and Euros, two of which are sub 40%. And that, to me, is just astounding. I mean... It's really hard to envision any team going very far in a single elimination tournament when you have guys like that on the floor that are basically liabilities. I mean, if you're a defense, you'd rather foul them anytime they're in the paint than let them go up with a shot. It's absolutely a liability. Uh, Euros and Iwaka were pretty non-existent. Uh, when you have two guys like that on the floor at the same time who are shooting that poorly from the line and their calling card is kind of being big and physical – uh, that's going to hurt you a lot. Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it before. We previewed the game, and we said Tennessee's shooting has to be better than the first time around. Well, in the first half, they shot 7% from three. Things started to pick up in the second half a little bit, thanks to Vescovi getting hot. But, I mean, that's not – 7% is never going to cut it. 28% from the free throw line. It's just – it's the same tune yet again for this team. It's just not enough offense. And now, Davis, I ask you – they were able to beat Alabama on Wednesday, which was an encouraging sign, but the offense really wasn't the catalyst for that win. It was the outstanding defense. I mean, this is a team that is nationally third in points allowed, but since conference play has begun, averaging 68.4 points per game on offense, which is 238th in the country. I mean, that is an astoundingly low number for a team ranked number 11, according to the Associated Press. So I ask you, Another abysmal offensive performance. Obviously missing James and Phillips is going to hurt the team offensively a little bit, but with two weeks left in the regular season, what can this team do, if anything, to fix it on the offensive end? If not, 
or they just are what they are at this point. Yeah, like you said, it's most frustrating because the usual and obvious problem is consistently the same problem. But uh, going forward, I think, obviously, hopefully you get Phillips and, and James back soon, and, and maybe you can get a spark from the freshman who can hit from mid-range when he's having a good day. But um, overall, I think the, uh, the Tennessee's offense kind of just is what it is. Uh, you can you can get hot. You can have a couple guys go off from three, but I, I don't see much changing from here on out. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because it feels like you're wasting an all-time type of defense here. And th- like you're saying, I think he, there's guys, James and Phillips, that can buoy this offense a little bit when they come back and probably keep the lulls when Tennessee goes through scoring droughts, probably mitigate it a little bit better. But still, at the end of the day, even without those guys, this has not been a good offense. I mean, they're ranked 173rd nationally in points per game, and much of those games are played with both James and Phillips. So I kind of agree with you. I think they are what they are, and they just got to hope when it comes to March that they can find a way to score 70 points. It's a shame that you're asking a team to just get to 70 points and then you'd feel comfortable in a win, but that's kind of what this 2022-2023 Tennessee Volunteers basketball team is at this juncture. Um, so moving on to the A&M game, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. A&M now ranked 25th, which that honestly might be better for Tennessee because it seems like the only time Tennessee has really played their best basketball is when they're playing a top 25 team. They're 5-1 and one against top 25 opponents this season. They've beaten the number two, number three, and number eight teams in the nation but when it comes to lesser opponents, you know, they play down to their competition. So maybe that little number next to Texas A&M will get, get the team riled up a little bit. But what do you see happening in this game, Davis? Don't need a prediction or anything, but just can you see the team riding the ship at all? Um, I, I don't like the outlook for this game. Tennessee hasn't won a, a road game since January. Haven't won a road game in February. Yeah. Uh, A&M's a good team. They're they're borderline. They're probably going to make the tournament. So I I think we can can make improvements here, but I don't see see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, tomorrow night. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, and especially we talked about it with the Kentucky game, and it's kind of similar here. This game on paper means a lot more for A&M. They're a game back of Alabama on the standings, the conference standings with the last game of the regular season being A&M versus Alabama. So if they want that game to potentially be for a share or an outright conference title, they got to keep winning. Yep. For Tennessee, yeah, I mean, it should mean something. If every guy in that locker room should want to write this ship and get this thing back on track before it becomes March and it's single elimination tournaments. But A&M has a lot more to play for. It's a tough place to play. I mean – you hope Tennessee – A&M's another defensive-type team, so that might play to Tennessee's favor that this game will be kept lower scoring, played at their pace, et cetera. But I don't know. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that things I, – I just don't – I find it hard to believe that things can get much worse offensively. I mean, <laughs> I really find it hard that they can't shoot a little bit better than 28% from the free throw line, a little bit better than 32% from three. So – I'm cautiously optimistic, but we'll just have to wait and see. And obviously, in the next episode, we'll know the result of that game and break it down. Um, 
I guess the only other thing to turn to, unless you have any questions for me or discussion you want to bring up. Oh, yeah, I got a question. What was the uh, magic number I said last week? 67? 67. If you can hold a team to 67, you can, or if you can score, excuse me, if you can score 67, I like your chances in a win. What did Kentucky score on Saturday? 66. 66. Yep. I mean, it, it's a shame that a team can't get the 67, but I guess that's just how things are. One more question. Um, obviously, the main theme of our discussion has been offensive struggles. And I just want to know if you think in practice Barnes sees these struggles and he and bases a hard-nosed defense off of the, abil- the uh, lack of ability to shoot, or do you think the input of this defensive system is holding back our scoring? Any thoughts on that? I think that's a great question, and I don't – I think that's kind of one of those things that, you know, it's a year-by-year thing. I don't think Barnes has this philosophy of, all right, we're just going to try to defense teams to death, but this year that's been the case. And, you know, I, th- I think you're probably onto something. I bet at the start of the year, you know, obviously everyone had a hopes, high hopes for this team, and you had guys like Josiah James, Fascovi, Ziegler, all – on paper, good scores. You had a guy like Tyree Key coming who averaged 18 points per game. Granted, it was the Missouri Valley, but still, I don't think you could have expected him to have this much of a drop-off. But once it kind of became evident, I'd say in January maybe, that this was not a great offensive team and it was going to basically be a race to 70 points night in, night out for them to win or lose. Yeah, I mean, I feel like at that point you got to play to your strengths. So I bet Barnes, you know, I'm sure, or any – any capable coach should be trying to fix things on the offensive end because it'd make his job a whole lot easier and to make the player's job a whole lot easier. But I bet at this point he knows the strength is defense and he's got to play to that. And at this point, the guys kind of that can shoot can shoot and the guys who can't, I don't know if there's anything to do to change that. So to answer your question, I do think probably at the start of the year he had higher hopes and tried to create more of an offense, but now just trying to find ways to score points, maybe drop certain plays, something he sees on film to just get an easy two points. But nothing seems easy with this offense. Agreed. That was a long-winded answer. But um, So the last thing to touch on the baseball team, preseason number two according to D1 Baseball. They opened their season in Phoenix this past weekend. They lost opening night to Arizona. Then they lost to Grand Canyon, who a lot of people over, you know, saw the loss to Grand Canyon and go, oh, my God, I've never heard of Grand Canyon. That's a terrible <laughs> loss. Don't get too confused. They have a, a top draft prospect, one of the best players in the country at shortstop, Jack Wilson's son. I'm blanking on his first name, but it's not as bad a loss as people thought. And then they won yesterday versus San Diego. So they went one and two, didn't drop too much. They're still number three in the rankings, and they will have their home opener tomorrow versus Alabama A&M at 4.30, and then they'll host Dayton this weekend. So hopefully two lesser opponents they can get above 500, start to get to their winning ways, which obviously this is a weird spot for them because last year we saw them, I think, open start 31-1 and or something crazy like that. So yep. seeing 1-2 and two is kind of freaking everybody out, but I, I don't, it's way too early to worry. I think everyone knows this team has talent. There's a lot of – you're placing a lot of pieces. It's – hard to expect just day one for that to be for this team to gel and obviously they're missing Ahuna yes shortstop his waiver has still not been cleared they're waiting on the NCAA for that so yeah I mean we'll keep you updated on Tennessee baseball not a whole lot to talk about as it's 
just three games into the season. But once things turn to conference play, we'll dive into it more. Um, any other thoughts, Davis? Uh, on as far as baseball goes, uh, one of the one of the early losses last year was Texas. Mm-hmm. I think that was also out in ML, is that an MLB park? Yeah, that was in Houston. Yeah, they played out there. So I mean, it'll be interesting once they start to play more games. And Lindsey Nelson, obviously, this, last year the team's biggest strength was just hitting nukes in a smaller field. So maybe we can get a touch of that as the home games start to roll in. But I'm not too I'm not too discouraged from the first couple games. Yeah, I did notice. I couldn't find it on Twitter, but Tony Vitello had a black eye for that tournament. He, yeah. I saw him on TV Friday night, and he just had a black eye, so no idea what he got into, but maybe he's trying to fight another umpire or something. I don't know. Never know with Tony V. It's nope. a wild card. Well, I think that'll do it for the second episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Regarding Rocky Top to stay up to date with new episodes, any new information, etc. Um, hopefully when we talk to you guys again, it'll be after a Tennessee basketball victory and not a loss. It's kind of been annoying to be so pessimistic. I want something to be optimistic about. I don't know about you, but I prefer certainly upbeat. So maybe they can go score 80 points tomorrow night and we'll change 90. our tune. <laughs> Anyways, that has been, for me, that's Max Pennell. Davis Boving. And that was episode two. Talk to you guys later. Later.